Good evening, everyone. I am so excited to be here tonight to present such an important and um, difficult discussion. We are here to talk about men's sexual health. My name is Jill Foose, and I am a concierge functional medicine health coach. And today I am joined by my good friend, and his name is Dr. Ryan Lombardo. Dr. Ryan is a nationally board certified anti-aging and integrative medicine um, caregiver and is a doctor of oriental medicine. He has a degrees in psychology, nutrition, acupuncture, and, and a certificate in the science of well-being. He is the wellness director at Freshkin Medical Spa and Wellness Center in Highland Park, Illinois. And I've known Ryan for, oh my gosh, it's been probably 15, over 15 years at this point. Uh, I've learned so much from him. He has helped me and my family um, and just such a wealth of knowledge. So I'm so excited to introduce uh, Ryan tonight. We're going to talk about some difficult things and um, but stay, stay tuned because we are covering all aspects of men's sexual health. Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jill. Thanks so much for that introduction. Um, yeah, it has been, I think, almost 15 years. I think you're right. Yeah, long, time, long time, but long time. all good. Yes. All right, well, let's dive in. So today, I just want to go over some of the topics, and then we're going to start uh, digging in. So the topics we're going to talk about tonight are erectile dysfunction and impotence, blood flow issues, what kind of doctor to seek out? So many men have this issue, especially during middle age, and just have nowhere to go. They, they have no idea who to see, uh, what protocols to take, what's the healthiest uh, way for them to combat this. Blood work. People get blood work back from an allopathic doctor or from a functional medicine doctor. Numbers look different. Ranges are different. So, you know, how do we, how do we look into that? Therapies and modalities. We're going to talk about TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy, a P-shot, PRP, Gainswave, peptide therapies, Viagra, Cialis. We're going to compare them all and dig a little deep on those two. And we can't talk about men's sexual health without digging into nutrition, exercise, and stress management. All, all these things are connected. So let's start with just ED and impotence, please just, although it's obvious what that might look like, but tell us what's going on in the male body that is causing this. All right, well, first, I just wanna make sure that everybody knows that this is commentary, a good conversation, um, although a serious subject, I may come off a, a little more casual than most, and that's because this is what I do all day long with a lot of people in a lot of different uh, states of, of wellness or, or distress. And so I do my best to make sure people are comfortable with what we're talking about. In this large kind of um, gathering in this kind of group, I really wanna stress that this is not medical advice. Um, it's really a good conversation between me and Jill. And if there are questions, um, you know, I, I would say definitely seek out um, your physician and, you know, then, and, and then make decisions from there. Um, but from here on, I'm going to answer some of these questions and see what kind of um, discussion Jill and I can have. So regarding ET and impotence, your question, you know, what is it? ED is really, you know, just what it sounds like, erectile dysfunction. It's 
not being able to function at your best or in the way that was considered normal or optimal before. So, you know, we all know as men, um, you know, from a very early age, what it's like to have an erection. I mean, I literally had my son the other day waking up in the morning and said, whoa, my penis is huge. And, and he's <laughs> 10. And I was cracking up. You know, I heard it walking past the door. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. And I know what I'm, you know, in for from, from here on out. And I know what he's in for from here on out. So, you know, it's, it's when you don't have that kind of feeling in the morning and when you don't have that kind of feeling when you want it, when things aren't working the way they did. Essentially, what happens when we, receive, when, we, when we have an erection is that we get a certain amount of blood flow to the spongy tissue, right, uh, of the penis. And it's, it's, you know, a combination of a variety of things. But what we know of and think of is the nitric oxide. That's what people think about. And so when that kind of, when, when that process isn't working, that's ED, that's impotence. It's, it's, we're not able to achieve an erection the way that we normally would before. Right. And uh, we're going to talk about nitric oxide a little bit later down. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. But what would be the main factors? Like we're talking about blood flow and nitric oxide, but could stress and other things that are going on in someone's life, especially during COVID right now, right now um, affect a, man, a man's performance as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, 100%. The the factors involved in, in something like ED are, are pretty widespread. Unfortunately, it isn't a, you know, one issue affects all men the same way. I mean, it could be psychological, it could be neurological, it can be physiological, it could be physical, like an actual injury, it could be medication. I mean, there, there are a variety of things, poor sleep, too much alcohol. I mean, we, I, can go, I can go on and on. And, and when you're talking about something like stress, I mean, some, one person's stress response could be the exact opposite of another one person's stress response might actually be hypersexual activity. Mm -hmm. Another's will be anxiety and depression. Another mm -hmm. one will be, you know, just really poor self-esteem, you know, want to sleep a lot, but not clinically depressed because they're able to function throughout the day, make decisions and move on with their life. But when this one thing, you know, comes to play, when, you know, that, that's just, that disinterest sets in. And, right. um, but yeah, I mean, when you think about neurological things, I mean, it's, it's, it's anything from, you know, actual nerve function to disease like MS or Parkinson's. I mean, it can be, um, you know, unfortunately, a, a, it's, it's like a distal area, like, like your hands or your feet, you know, right? So it just, it may not get the same signal that we, that we want it to do or like it did when we were younger. Um, physiological states are probably the most common thing that I see though, it's things like obesity, diabetes, poor cardiometabolic health, um, those types of issues. That's what I see most correlating with it. And that's just because of the type of practice that I have. But right. I see it so frequently, belly fat, um, not enough testosterone production in the first place. Um, it's more of a physiological thing. Injury, I, you know, we'll talk about this later, but if there's an injury, you go see a urologist, no questions asked. You want someone who that's all they do all day long is check out the anatomy and figure out what's up. Um, but medication's a big deal. 
I think medication is something you asked me earlier today, like if I've seen an uptick in this type of issue in men's sexual health issues in the last, you know, 15 plus years that I've been in practice. And of course I said, yes. And, and medication, maybe I downplayed it a little bit. I'm not sure, but it's huge. Anti-anxiety meds, antidepressants, um, statins even as they lower cholesterol, they lower the base molecule of every hormone in our body there. And that, it, that increase in use has happened over the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've seen in our dependence, blood pressure medications, heart medications, our dependence on medicine in the last 40 years has skyrocketed. So we're going to see um, changes in, in bodily function across the board. I always talk about how when we have a compromised gut, whether it's poor nutrition or we're on pharmaceutical meds for whatever we need them for, then we have a compromised brain. And when we have a compromised brain, we have compromised cellular health and it's all yep. connected. And it definitely, uh, I talk about that often with my clients. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, well, you were just talking about going to see your physician. So I'm a mom of four boys. And so I, I know when they were young and they woke up, there's always an erection, right? And that is a, that's a sign of health. And how long should that go on for? And when it doesn't go on, is that the first sign you need to go see someone and who do you go see? Well, I can tell you, we all want it to go on forever. I mean, that's like <laughs> right. pretty much the, you know, what waking up like that is a great, it's, it's, a, it's a great sign. It's a great feeling. You know, our body goes through a variety of you know, like an all systems go check throughout the night while we sleep. You know, sleep is restorative and reparative and, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you could say, you know, I, you can read all sorts of things about sleep, but you, a typical male is going to have an erection between five and 15 or more times at night while they sleep. And in the morning, our peak testosterone production is actually between six and 9 a.m. So it makes sense that we should be, you know, kind of waking up virile, but um, how long it should go on. I mean, what's an unfortunate fact is that after age 25, we start producing less and less testosterone. And that, that production as it wanes, it creates a change in our body, changes our hair, changes, you know, our voice, our ability to build lean body mass um, and maintain lean body mass. Our, 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 our change in our motivation, in some cases, a change in our aggression and, and interest in, in all sorts of things. You know, I, I went to University of Wisconsin and, and UW Health has this, you know, great urology department. And they say that up to five to 15% of people in their 40s have some form of erectile dysfunction. And it rapidly increases after age 50 to 50% and then wow. 60% every decade, essentially after age 50, every add 10% to every decade. So if you're over 50, there's a 50% uh, you know, possibility or 50% of men have this, have some form of dysfunction. 60% of men over 60, 70% of men over 70. So people don't obviously wanna talk about it, but you know, we when we're in that situation, you know, we're guys like that's if this is an ongoing thing, if you wake up one morning and you don't have an erection, that's not that big of a deal. If you wake up 10 mornings in a row and that's not happening, and you're like, well, what's going on here? You, you gotta take a look at 
at the rest of your body, the rest of your life, the rest of your, your mental state. You have to start looking at, you know, how you and I would consider functional medicine, looking at wellness overall, right? This mm -hmm. whole harmony of, of all of these aspects. Um, and, and if there's a reason why this would be going on, are you overstressed? Did you start new medicine? Are you not getting any sleep? Are you drinking too much? You know, are you, are you a chain smoker? There's all these reasons why this, this could be going on. But, you know, if it's, I, I kind of have like rules of when you, you know, when you go see a doctor and what kind of doctor you would see, right? And so I would tell people like right off the bat, like I was saying earlier, if you have an injury, you see a urologist quickly. Some of these issues may be time sensitive and treatment may be able, you know, much more effective if you, if you're, if an injury is, is caught early, you know, some form of blockage, um, something like Peroni's disease, um, where you know you you actually damaged it, it damaged your penis and have and and develop a curvature or scarring, um, but if it's not an injury, like you would say, an internist is if you have a good relationship with your internist, that's always the best way to start. So many times I ask patients right off the bat, who's your doctor? How often do you go see them? And if they don't know their doctor and they're like, I don't know, I haven't seen someone in like four years. I, I'm immediately like, all right, we have to find an internist for you. What, you know, what type of relationship do you like with your physician? Because they're the ones that are going to be able to communicate with the hospital for you. They're the ones that are going to understand much more about your medical history, your family history, and be able to give you that prescription when you need it, when you're actually sick. And, and, and they also might have an incredible referral network. So I like when patients know who their doctor is and, and that doctor knows who they are. Um, if it's a slow progression, you know, with like obvious metabolic issues, then I would say you wanna see an anti-aging metabolic specialist. You wanna see someone like me or someone who, who looks at this as a big picture kind of issue, looks at this as, all right, you have, you know, you're coming to me with a family history of diabetes. You have gained 30 pounds in the last year. You've added, like during COVID, you've added an extra five drinks to your week. You, you know, you're not working out the way you did. You changed your diet. You, you know, you've been furloughed for the last five months. Let's take a big picture approach and, and, and let's look at some labs and let's make sure that, you know, everything is what it's supposed to be and see if this is, you know, something that we can reverse with, just some lifestyle changes, you know, some supplements, maybe recommend some things like you were saying earlier, like hormones um, or, or replacement therapy or something like that. But um, right. those are really, I mean, realistically, it's either a specialist like the urologist, an internist, or someone who really focuses on, you know, anti-aging metabolic health. Yeah, we're going to break some of those points down in a little bit. But I want to ask you, you know, I'm 52 and you know, perimenopause. Is this, since a male starts losing some of their testosterone after age 25, at what point is there a male menopause, like an andropause? What, is there a difference? Like if this it's is- It's pretty similar. It is. Right? I mean, yeah. you probably, you know, at, at 52, you know, I'm 45, you're 52, we have friends that are going through this now. We have plenty of friends that are going through this now. And andropause is fascinating because it really wasn't talked about. Nobody, you know, it was, it's not manly to, you know, see this kind of change, right? But it's more than just like a, a drop in testosterone. 
that's a big deal, a, a drop in testosterone and, and maybe some, some erectile dysfunction that can be explained if you live, let's say a traditional American life, right? You, you're working 40 to 60 hours, you are you know, in some kind of relationship or you're not, which is just as stressful. You, maybe you have kids to take care of, maybe you have you know, some family health issues. There's a lot of stuff going on at these ages where your responsibilities just kind of take over. Um, the, what's interesting about it is it's that time also where you start going through this change, right? And, and everyone knows about menopause and you know people make jokes about it all the time, what happens to a woman, but with guys, we kind of leave it alone. And it was a little, it was kind of mocked a few years ago with the whole dad bod idea. Right. And people were like, were like, oh, the dad bod's hot and dad bod's sexy. Well, the dad bod is what shows up at my door with erectile dysfunction. The dad bod is what you know shows up where people are not feeling well. They're exhausted, they're tired. They don't want to hang out with their friends. They're low libido, anxiety, depression, cardiovascular disease, prediabetes, all of the fears that they're going to be sick like their parents were in 15 or 20 years, that starts kicking in. And andropause, I mean, I would say anywhere, I mean, you know, some of this is family history, you know, related and, and you know, genetic, but 45 to 55 is, is pretty similar. It's pretty similar to menopause. Certainly there are things we can do to prolong health and vitality. And that's where you and I shine, I think. And, um, instead of like creating an intervention, you know, we're, we're, you know, big on the prevention and, and right. hopefully intervening soon in that process. And um, yeah, I mean, andropause is nuts. I mean, and when you see it with, you know, our friends who at, at our age, I consider young, when we see it happen now, and we don't feel those same, those right. same symptoms, it's like, wait a second, like, I didn't want to have this conversation for the, for 10 more years. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. Right. Uh, the dad bod um, image and how you connect that to an unhealthy lifestyle is is great. You know, it really puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, blood work. So when you suggest for someone to go see their internist or a urologist or someone like you, a functional um, medicine um, doctor, the blood work's different. The ranges are different. We look at yeah. normal ranges with allopathic doctors versus optimal ranges with functional medicine. Tell us a little bit about, let's just, let's just use testosterone for an example, mm -hmm. um, since we're focusing on male hormones. Well, testosterone is an easy one for this example, actually, because what we were saying earlier, right? Normal by age range, right? If, if normal, if our peak is 18 to 25, and then we start dropping, you know, maybe one to 5% per year for, for, or for, you know, over the course of the next 15 years, and then we hit like a pretty steep drop. By the time we're 50, 55, 60, like it's going to be lower and lower in this range of let's just, without getting too scientific, let's say the range is 200 to a thousand, right? And normal at that time is 400 to 500. There are some people whose normal was 400 to 500 when they were 25. There are some people whose normal when it was 900 or 1100 when they were 25. Well, we don't know what 
that was if that was considered optimal and normal at the same time when they were 25 years old we don't know because no one at 25 when they feel incredible was going to get their blood taken to find out well right. what is my total serum testosterone what is my free testosterone like what's available for use people weren't running those tests and certainly when you feel incredible you're not running to your doctor to be like oh what are my levels i want to know what this is so when i want to feel like this again i can tell them try to get there right we don't we don't know so it's hard to try to bring someone back to that so we have to kind of play a little bit to figure out all right well where where do we want to bring someone to get to that optimal range? Because let's face it, if normal is 50 to 70% less than what it was when we were 25, then normal sucks. Like we don't right, normal doesn't right. feel that way. Right. I mean, the average, you know, 50 to 60 year old male in the US, we look at their blood work, it's not good, but that's normal and we don't right. want it. So you know, from a functional perspective and an anti-aging and longevity perspective, we try to keep everything in within range with what we would consider normal, but we want that optimal sweet spot for each person. And identifying that is a much deeper dive and a much deeper discussion than you can get in, you know, a 15 to 20 minute visit. Right. It, it's just a different process. I always think it's a really good idea for any anyone watching this tonight to if you have children between 21 and 26 have them get a deep dive into blood work done now see because most likely they're feeling pretty good right so yeah, see what what are what's the baseline now so when they're 50 or 40 and something's going on they have something to look back onto and say oh that's when i felt optimal and now that's going to be my goal to get back there again. And what's the plan to get back there? And by the way, everyone, this is not a 30 day um, <laughs> process. You know, right. I can tell you from my own personal experience, optimizing my own hormones, it's been years, years. There's a lot of trials and tribulations. There's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, whatever you want to call it, but it's not, it's not a perfect science. And as we age and we're still going through the process, it just becomes harder and harder. I always used to say to myself, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm chasing numbers. And every yeah. time I get one number right, another number goes kind of down. So, you know, how do you find that harmony in the body? But as we're talking today about lifestyle, it is about integrating a very healthy lifestyle, one that you can stay committed to. Um, all right, let's jump into some really cool um, <clears throat> information out there. <clears throat> there are some really amazing integrative and regenerative modalities out there for men to increase testosterone, their penis size, the girth, the length, um, their libido, their, their desire they have to have sex. And so I want to, first I want to start with Viagra and Cialis, because those are the most common pills out there. And it's what most allopathic doctors would first prescribe a male patient coming in with this kind of problem. But most men out there know that that is not the answer because that only um, works on the mechanics and it, you don't have that emotional connection. So tell us a little bit about those two medications and how they're working in the male body and why they aren't doing everything for them. Okay, so 
again, because we're talking about medicine, I want to make sure everyone knows this is not medical advice. Thank you. Um, but we have this experience over and over again, doing what Jill and I do. We meet with so many, um, so many people that take all sorts of medications, including um, the, this type, these types of meds. And they also are looking to experiment and find ways, like what's going to be the best for me is, is the question. What's going to work for what I want? Is it, and we have to decipher, are they looking for immediate relief and immediate action? Or are they looking for, you know, kind of um, a change in lifestyle? And, and, and through that conversation, we can figure out what to, what to recommend and who to recommend them seeing. But when we talk about something like Viagra and Cialis, I mean, they're the most popular. They're the ones that are advertised to us. Um, you know, I, I mean, I literally see them on, on commercials of children's shows, which is pretty amazing. Um, but since parents are sitting around watching TV, you know, we're with them, we're going to be advertised to. Um, you know, they're, they're considered PDE inhibitors, right? PDE5 inhibitors, you know, just like, um, it, you know, they're, uh, an athlete will take a PED, a performance enhancing drug, right? Well, someone in this situation takes a PDE, which, you know, it stands for, you know, something that nobody needs to know. Um, but essentially, <laughs> this PDE5 inhibitor, what it's really doing is preventing the breakdown of nitric oxide in our body. So it's allowing it to build up to, to flood the areas that we want it to flood. And it works in a specific sort of time frame, 11 minutes, 14 minutes, you know, to hours on it. Um, and, and they work well. I mean, look, they're FDA approved drugs. They work. Um, in, in certain cases, people from what I've read and seen and heard from patients is that they build up a certain type of tolerance, no matter what the dose is. And it just stops doing what it was doing before. Mm -hmm. um, but, and they're, they're becoming readily available in different ways. They're affordable. Um, they're, they're, I, I'm pretty sure Viagra is the most popular drug in the world, I think, in terms of volume. Um, it might be neck and neck with statins and, and aspirin. I mean, it's fascinating, um, but, it's, but it makes sense. It shows how important this issue is, right? right? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, sex, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Like that's what people want, <laughs> that kind of idea and that kind of lifestyle. And these drugs, you know, are marketed to us to deliver it. You know, we see happy people running on the beach and, you know, doing things that, you know, it creates this, this uh, kind of image of what we could do if we were taking this. And, um, you know, for all our discussions and, and for the purpose that, that we see when patients start to take it, it really, it really makes a difference. The problem is it doesn't change their health. It doesn't change their mindset. It doesn't really change anything except allowing them to function for a specific period of time. Mm -hmm. And all things being equal, if that's all they want, then it's perfect. But if they're looking to find out, well, why did this happen to me? How can I fix it? I, I'm, I love my spouse, I'm attracted, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, whatever it is, I'm attracted to them. I, I was great three weeks ago or three months ago or three years ago, and now, now I can't do it, then I, I want to know why. I don't want something that just makes me function when I want to function. I want to, I want to be able to function. Then we have to, then, then we're talking about the other stuff, the more integrative, the more functional things to figure out, okay, let's, let's dig deep.
and let and let's figure it out. And that's a great segue to TRT, testosterone replacement um, therapy, uh, or T pellets, um, as we call them. This is something that's been around for a long time, but just sort of becoming popular and talked about more. Um, so tell us about getting testosterone pellets. Is there a cream or is it just the shot? And I'm going to let you sort of do the talk on that. Okay. So there are a few different options when we're looking at replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there are creams, there are gels, there are patches. There's all sorts of stuff for testosterone replacement. Mm -hmm. um, some are FDA approved drugs. Some are compounded by compound pharmacies, you know, private pharmacies that have some element of oversight um, from the FDA. Um, and, and then there's injectable, which is a, a you know, a very common and, and very popular pharmaceutical company that makes, you know, the, the most well-known version of testosterone called depot testosterone, um, which is injectable. All of them work to raise testosterone levels. The question is what's going to mimic your body's bioidentical response. And that's why we call it bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, BHRT, right? Um, we try to do with testosterone, like I was saying earlier, we have this, you know, production in the morning and this over, that's where we have our peak. Well, if you're going to use a, a gel, a cream, an injectable, you're going to want to do that to mimic your levels. And you're going to want to do that in the morning. From an anti-aging perspective, that's going to be what you do. And you do it every day and you figure out the dose to make it work. Um, and that isn't, for those of you that are wondering, it's not an injection that's delivered to your penis. It's usually, you know, in, intramuscularly or um, in the practice, you know, where I am, we suggest um, it's called sub-Q, kind of in the fat. And the reason is because of the way it gets processed and, and metabolized through the body. But there are a lot of different um, reasons that people prescribe in different ways. The, the pellets, pellets are a little bit different because once a pellet is kind of what we call inserted or placed in the body, um, it resolves over time. And we're talking, you know, four to six months over time. This isn't like something that we're going to do every morning. This is something you go to the doctor's office, you have a very quick procedure, you know, you're in and out of there in 15 minutes in most cases. Maybe, you know, maybe you have a discussion, maybe, but the work itself is super fast, um, very easy. And it is triggered, testosterone pellets are triggered to break down based on your, 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 blood flow, your heart, your literally heart function, your, your body's meta metabolism and metabolic processes. So for people who are, you know, like CrossFit athletes, they're going to break down a pellet faster than someone who, you know, is sitting at a computer, you know, programming all day. It's just a different type of thing because you're going to release it as needed, essentially, um, which is a, a really good feeling for many people. I mean, you know, there's, quite a bit of science behind all of this behind and, and every type of, of option. Um, and there's incredible amounts of data um, and studies behind it, you know, uh, all, you know, from, from every, you know, walk of, of, of medicine. So I don't begin to say one is better than another in any way, shape or form. When you're talking about straight up replacement, it's who's, what is going to work for that person was going to work for that person's lifestyle also. And, and, you know, 
what can they afford? Because there's different variables in price, like injectable right. and pellets are pretty similar in pricing. It's just injectable. You're probably on a every month or every three month kind of fee when you're dealing with the pharmacy. And you know, pellets, you're probably twice a year or something, or maybe on an annual basis. You know, but we could we could be looking in those cases up to approximately two thousand dollars a year. Um, but for the benefits that you get from every, you know, from improved lean body mass, you know, skeletal muscle mass, motivation, improved libido, you know, these things that are reported, it's well worth it in most cases for, for the men that are coming to us saying, I want to do something, I don't care what it is. But right. if it's from, a, from an insurance perspective um, for replacement, it's, it, it has to be clinically low, right? Not just low normal. It has to be clinically low. There has to be a variety of, of symptoms attached to it. And it's usually like kind of an uphill battle, which is unfortunate. And, you know, insurance companies, this isn't something they consider an illness. So right. it takes a little bit, it takes a little bit more work to get them there. Right. I would say that people should expect to pay cash for most yeah. of these modalities we're going to be talking about. And that's just the yeah. way it is. Um, yeah. But also just uh, with the testosterone, what you just mentioned is the libido. You, you do have an increase in your libido where taking a Viagra and a Cialis has nothing to do with your libido. Correct. So I, I like that you're now attaching the emotion to the physical act. You know, to me, that's, that's how you make the connection with your partner, oh, right? Yeah. So let's move on to the next one, which I think is so fascinating, peptide therapy. So this is something mm -hmm. that most people probably have not heard of. And there's a very specific peptide out there called peptide 141. That is all the rage in the circle of uh, sexual health. And so the peptides are amino acids. Peptide 141 is something um, that you take that enhances your libido. And what I know about it, and I'm going to turn this over to you in a minute. What I know about it is that it works through the nervous system. Um, so it enhances that desire, which we all want. And um, it only lasts for maybe three to five days. So this is something you have to do much more often and can do, I think, three times a week, two, three times a week. Right. So peptide 141 um, What's fascinating is it's actually approved as a as FDA yeah. approved as a drug for women, right. um, specifically to improve libido and desire, which is awesome. I mean, the fact that it went through that kind of th those kinds of trials to get mm -hmm. that approval, it's incredible. Because again, you know, it's not something that's that well you know discussed in the media, and it's certainly you know people's interest isn't something that people are sitting around talking about at dinner but it is a legitimate drug. In fact, peptides, although they've been around a long time, people don't know and they don't think of it this way. There's over 60 medications that are peptides for things like hypertension and glucose control and whatever. So peptides are incredible. I mean, like you said, they're, they're amino acids, right? I mean, they're like protein building blocks. They already right. exist. So it's how do we create them in, in, in the right type of dose to, to to essentially attach, you know, to bind appropriately to give the, the response that we want. Um, I think that peptide therapy might be the straight up future of regenerative medicine. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really 
what anti-aging is, is going to be built around, I think, at least in the next five to 10 years. Um, you know, what, what it's doing is it's, it's mimicking that, I guess, I mean, libido is the right word, but it's, it's more of like a, a, a response, a desire response, like, a, like where, where you, there's interest, but not just interest in any activity, but specifically an interest that in, in sex, right? And so is it, you know, when, when they do these studies, they look for all sorts of things, or is it oxytocin that it's stimulating, you know, that love hormone? Is it, is it testosterone? Is it, it you know, that, to create like aggression? Like, what is it that it's doing? And that what's fascinating is they kind of stop the studies at that point. They, they use scale questionnaires to find out other things instead of trying to really dig deep and follow that pathway all the way through, which is what I like to do when I'm looking at this stuff. I wanna know how far did they go? Well, here's, here's the answer. In women, 80% of women in the trial agreed to extend the trial an extra year. That's how well it worked in women. Um, in men, you know, they didn't, from what I found, they haven't done like huge trials. They, they you know, what, what I see is that they, they consider it, you know, kind of untested or experimental. But, um, you know, I, from what I've seen, the results are, are pretty good. So I'm hoping that we see a lot more with peptides. I mean, when you were talking earlier about gut health, I mean, what peptides can do for gut health, brain Absolutely. health, joint health, immune function, mm -hmm. it, it's out of this world. It's, it's right. really like, you know, future medicine, future science that, that, you know, unfortunately, like when I talk about Western medicine, I think of like what people see when they go to their doctors or, or the hospitals, mm -hmm. um, they can't provide that kind of advancement just yet. It's not considered the standard of care, but it, but it will be certainly as we continue to try to extend healthy human life and, and, and vital aging, you know, we're peptides are key for sure. So should we all be expecting a fresh skin peptide 141 launch party soon? Because you know, I'll be, for, I'll be first in line. I'll I be hope the it's that pig. and many, many others. Yes. There's, there's a yes. few that we're looking at. We, you know, we already use a few, but there's a few more we're looking at that can Great. Uh, they're very promising. Awesome. Great to hear. All right. Moving on from that, we've got the acoustic wave therapy or what most people would know to be called is Gaines wave or shock therapy. I absolutely hate the word or the term shock therapy when we're talking right. about a, a man's penis. Like, could that be any more scary? But this is actually <laughs> an incredible modality. Um, so Gaines wave is the brand name. Um, and I'm going to let you talk about what I wanted you to talk about is what is the shock therapy? Does it hurt? How many uh, visits, treatments does a man need to have in order for you to see a difference? Is it foolproof? All that. So a few things. First, I'm not a gains weight provider, so I can only speak from, you know, my experience with other providers and, and their company reps and and my own research. But Gaines Wave, Shock Wave, Acoustic Wave, um, each company and each version of, of, of this type of technology has some kind of nuance that makes them different than the other. But essentially, it's an acoustic wave. It's like a sound wave, right? Um, and Shock Wave therapy was used for plantar fasciitis. I mean, it's been used for a lot of things, essentially to induce blood flow to an area 
and to, in some cases, break up some calcification and some hardening of tissue. Um, now, I know we're talking about what we want in erection, we want that hardening. Well, when that spongy tissue starts to get a little harder, it, it's less flexible, it has less ability to fill with blood and, and, and to expand the way we want it. So um, this acoustic wave therapy induces blood flow. It brings, you know, all the good nutrients, you know, to the area. And therefore, it's kind of like local stimulation and local healing at the exact same time. And um, from, you know, from what, I, what I've seen in studies, the efficacy is, is likely there. People are, people enjoy, you know, the response that they get. It's not cheap. I mean, you're looking at, at you know, depending on your area. I mean, there's different areas, you know, we're in the North mm -hmm. Shore of Chicago, you know, it might be a little bit more expensive than, than other areas, but I see around $500 of treatment. Um, right. In some areas, it might be as low as three, 350, 400, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's usually sold in packages. Like you've got to get this done, you know, five, six times, and you might even do it another round, another full series. Uh, but, you know, people are responsive. Um, I have a friend who's a nurse who provides this, this service and she is, you know, doing very well doing it and, and the patients like it. So um, the, the key is when you're using literally like a physical mechanism to induce blood flow this has been around forever i mean ancient cultures used weights literally weights that they tied to their penis to provide like a stretch and a pull you know we make a joke of you know uh, you know people our age will get this but austin powers with his penis pump right like mm -hmm. it's this isn't new it's just a new way of delivering blood flow and 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 adapting technology to to be you know more medical and hopefully more effective. Yep. And then my last modality would be the P shot or yeah. PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma therapy. And yeah. this is a type of stem cell therapy that's been around for a long time. Um, and I know my kids use that when they had a lot of sports injuries. They'd inject the plasma into the joint. So now it's in the space for helping erectile dysfunction. And I think that's pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about that. This, it's incredible because it's the most simple thing. Mm -hmm. We all go in for blood tests. We've all had blood draws before. This is literally a blood draw. We spin it down in a centrifuge to separate to the plasma and we re-inject the plasma and that's it. And, and, we're, and we're ready to go. I mean, it's a very simple procedure. Cost varies by provider, by the amount, you know, by, you know, certainly the location, whatever, but this is not a difficult thing. We, PRP is like you said, is used for injury, for joint regeneration, for arthritis, for small tears that they don't want to, that, that surgeons don't want to do um, uh, surgeries on, you know, orthopedic surgeons, et cetera. For PRP is used for facial rejuvenation, um, people call them, you know, vampire facelifts and, and all sorts of stuff. It is, PRP is And hair unreal. loss. And hair loss, absolutely mm -hmm. hair loss. And it's, and it's yours. It's not some, right. you know, foreign synthetic medication, you know, built in a lab that you have to, you know, ask questions about and look for side effects. It's literally already in you. It's just, we're trying to find a way in order to make it the most potent form of this solution we can and then re-inject. And yes, people, it, it's, it's the way we can help encourage youth 
in someone's body using their own stuff. Right. And I'd like to add that the penis is numbed with some topical ointment, oh, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's just mention where the shots are going. You know, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I certainly on TV and in movies, we talk about like how sensitive it is. There are certain mm -hmm. areas of the penis that are really just not that sensitive. And so, but, you know, so I, I don't think, you know, the, the pain that we have, the whole idea of getting an injection, you know, um, I think it's more anticipation, you know, than, yeah. than anything else. But yeah, of course, I mean, we'll, well, anywhere we're going to inject, unless we're just given a B12 shot or some, you know, Botox or something, we're going to, right. Gonna numb. Right. All right. Well, we're going to run over just a few minutes, but I do want to tackle some nutrition and exercise yeah, and stress sure. management real quick. So we've been talking a lot about nitric oxide and yeah. I want people who don't know what that is to understand what it is and that our cells produce it. It's made by our, by our body. And when we eat foods that are high in nitrates, that has to convert to nitric oxide. So we are never going to be able to eat a, we're not going to be able to eat a food that's high in nitric oxide. So I want people to understand when I talk about the best foods to eat, to increase this, we're talking about nitrates. And what gets confusing to people is, well, aren't we supposed to not eat nitrates? right? When we pick up deli meat and stuff, it says nitrate free. So explain that a little bit because that's, that is confusing. Well, this is something you and I could probably do an entire other talk on, which, you know, I think people would maybe enjoy, but, you know, with the confusion in labeling is huge. People don't know. And those nitrates that you're talking about in deli meats or whatever, those are like sodium nitrates, right? They're not necessarily naturally occurring nitrates where you're in things like um, dark leafy greens, that, the, the, you know, dark vegetables in general, you know, we're going to be seeing naturally occurring nitrates that our body can very easily and readily convert into nitric oxide. But when you're talking about the nitrates added to things like deli meats and, and bacon, you know, you do want to go to nitrate free because those added nitrates are pretty well correlated and possibly proven to cause cancers. I mean, they, they cause so many problems um, to the gut lining um, and, and the, the heavy correlations to colon cancer. And when we're talking about men's health, right? I mean, Right. That's a, that's a huge issue. You know, that's like one of the main screenings that we need to start having. We're told at 50, I'd love to see if we could start having that screening start at 40. Um, but it's a big deal. I mean, our, certainly our generation, I mean, bacon's a, a big deal. <laughs> so yes. I think if we can, if we can start choosing, you know, healthier options, I think that would be pretty smart. And most people love bacon. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Yours truly. Right. Yeah. Ditto. So I've got a very short list of the best foods for men to eat to awesome. in, to boost um, nitric oxide levels, dark leafy greens, like you just said, beets, meat, poultry, fish. Do you want to add any to that list? And how much a day should a man be eating? I would ask you that, actually. Um, I don't have <laughs> many to add to that list, but how much per day? I mean, that's tough. I mean, certainly when you're talking about dark leafy greens, it's hard to, to go overboard, except right. the only thing to concern is if it's such a difference than what you've been doing, 
your body may not fully be able to process all of the calcium that, that you'd be getting from some of that stuff. So, you know, you don't want to go from not eating any spinach to eating, you know, three Full big bag. You know, containers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then you might, you know, might struggle in processing all of that. Um, you might get very that. bloated and you really might not be in the mood. <laughs> yeah. Overload your kidneys or something like that. Exactly. But, um, okay. You know, yeah, I would say, you know, daily is, is, it's a tough call, but my guess is if we had people eat essentially dark leafy greens and, and you know, healthy lean meats and, and fish, they'd be already well ahead of the game can, when they compare it to their current diet. Yeah. Things not to use. Uh, lots of people use mouthwash, but when it's an antiseptic mouthwash, we know that that kills the bacteria in the mouth that we need to convert the nitrate to nitrate oxide, nitric oxide. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. What's going well, on? Well, you know, earlier we were talking about that gut bacteria, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that you brought up, that healthy gut and that gut brain axis. Well, unfortunately, you know, most digestion, you know, as it begins anyway, a huge part of our digestion begins in the mouth. And so altering that bacteria in the mouth will alter all sorts of function as we go further. And actually there are pretty significant studies like quite a quite a few that discuss the change in using a specific type of antiseptic mouthwash i don't mean by brand i mean you know uh, you know certain ingredients that destroy that healthy bacteria that microbiome of the mouth and when it right. does that it prevents the body from being able to produce enough nitric oxide and it actually makes a difference it makes a difference as to how often you do it and it makes a difference as to when um, and those studies, you know, they don't get press because that's not fun. You know, no one wants to find out they can't use mouthwash, but it's legit and it's there. It's yes, it is. I would also add to that is um, reducing your toxic load and through yeah. drinking out of plastic water bottles, um, man boobs. People mm. say that when you drink out of plastic water bottles, you know, there's a lot of media out there that there's an estrogenic effect, which there is, and that that produces man boobs. Is that the truth? High levels of estrogen and imbalances of estrogen and testosterone in a male will produce a, certainly a risk, if not produce a, a higher propensity towards fat swelling in the breast tissue, right? So gynecomastia is what it's, is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And um, there's tremendous amounts of data in that yes. imbalance of estrogen and testosterone, which can be easily triggered through diet and lifestyle. Um, it's there and it's evident. And what about soy products? So soy has a, such a fascinating history, right? Um, you know, soy is obviously a phytoestrogen um, to you and I, you know, maybe other people don't know what that is, but that means it's a plant-based estrogen. Um, if you now, if you're eating edamame and, you know, it, I, I don't think that's a big deal, but if you're, if the vast majority of your diet is, you know, a, another form like tofu or soy milk or, or, or something similar, I think there's some risks and I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't suggest a, a, a pubescent boy to be, you know, downing entire bottles of soy milk, just like I don't necessarily recommend, um, you know, a, an aging man who's trying to fight testosterone deficiency to dig deep into estrogenic foods. 
it's difficult to know the quantities that could be problematic. I don't think that there are enough people really treating it like a, a food as medicine anyway to make a you know an absolute decision on this. But I I prefer natural substances, and so if you're going to have a phytoestrogen, have something like a soybean, like instead of you know a lot of processed soy. But processed soy over time, it's shown to create this same kind of issue. It will change hormone levels. We, we see it over and over and over again. It's not sexy to talk about because soy, processed soy is in tons of products, especially boxed foods. But, you know, and, and that's very convenient. Those foods are very convenient and they're usually very tasty, but it's generally unhealthy. You know, it's like you say, when you shop at the store, right? Shop around the, shop around the edges shop around the perimeter you know yeah. and it's interesting to me because there's such a heavy push towards being plant-based most all if not most plant-based foods are filled with soy and they're also packaged in plastic so right. it's just it's bewildering to me especially you know when you're already struggling with metabolic dysfunction or erectile dysfunction or you know being obese that you would turn to a plant-based diet and put more of these danger foods into your body that's just going to exasperate the issue uh, so yes people whole foods is where you want to be um, i agree if you buy organic soybeans or edamame that is a much better choice than buying the box processed tofu. Uh, exercise. I talk about this a lot on my social media feed about muscles being our longevity organ and how important it is to avoid sarcopenia, for example, by always maintaining lean muscle mass and low fat body fat percentage. Um, tell me how this could relate to ED? I personally don't think that there's anything better for longevity than some form of resistance training, right? Um, yeah. Especially if you're using large muscle groups like the quads and the glutes and your back. And you, when you harness that, that power that your body has and that we all felt when we were younger, right? that it changes so many metabolic processes in your body. Um, when when we're, you're talking about earlier about, we're talking about peptides, right? And we're saying that these are amino acids, you know, these are, th that's, what we're, that's what we're talking about, right? We're, we're breaking down the muscle fibers and allowing them to rebuild. We're literally, you know, kind of choreographing micro wounds in our body to rebuild. We're triggering a, res a youthful response with resistance training. I don't care if it's full body squats or push-ups and pull-ups and you're not even touching a weight, but for us to do it at, you know, because we had to do calisthenics in PE and gym class and, and whatever sports, you know, we were involved in when we were kids all the way through till we're older, you know, our, we kind of were, were, were like laughing and making, we still make fun of the seventies and eighties, the Jane Fonda, the Richard Simmons, like all those kinds of workouts, all, you know, through to, you know, uh, who was it, Billy Blanks, Ty Bo, right? Like all these like body weight kind of things, but that really works. Like not everyone has to be in a 
CrossFit type gym where they're, you know, lifting heavy weights and they're pushing themselves to their max. Certainly, if you can push yourself and you're healthy enough to really do that kind of work and you have the time and you have the interest, by all means, like if you have, the, if you know what you're doing and you have a good trainer, go for it. But exercise, exercise will keep you healthy a very, very long time. And um, it's certainly at least, you know, to, to the extent that we're talking about, when you're talking about ED, we're talking about blood flow. We're talking about, you know, triggering the, the like I said, metabolic processes that will encourage testosterone production, discourage fat storage. These are the things that make a big difference in, in how we feel overall. Absolutely. And stress management is in the equation as well. And we talked a, a little bit in the beginning about what if someone's already on meds, you know, for whatever issue they have, they're on pharmaceuticals, but and that might include anti-anxiety, anti-depression meds as well. And those affect your hormones too. It affects the yeah. way you feel, it affects the way you sleep, it affects the way you eat, and then you move throughout your day. And um, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, especially if you're going to go down the path of one of these integrative and regenerative modalities and spend the money and spend the time and the energy and the, the emotion around it, you've got to follow up and support it with a healthy lifestyle. And part of that is managing your stress. Um, yeah. anything you want to add to that? Well, you know, remember that some of these medicines, I mean, all of them really, when they alter, especially like you're talking about anti-anxiety, anti-depression, anti mm -hmm. um, they're supposed to affect hormones. I mean, that's, that's how they work, right? They're, they're changing serotonin and dopamine and, right. and, and they're modifying that. And, and so much of that is produced in the gut. And, you know, we, it's, it's just a, the way we understand how medications work if we find the right thing for the right person, it's life-changing. I've witnessed it over and over again. So I don't begin to discount the benefits of those meds when, when chosen appropriately and prescribed right. Um, but the lifestyle that accompanies any form of illness, it, what the changes, the lifestyle changes anyway, that you can make right. to improve your health and, and, and you know, kind of just <clears throat> vitality, right? It, it is a very, very different type of decision than taking a pill in the morning or taking a pill at night. It is yeah. a decision that you have to make every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, every hour, every mm -hmm. time you go to eat, every time you decide if you're going to sit on the couch and turn on the TV versus go for a walk versus reading a book versus meditating versus playing an instrument versus drawing a picture, coloring, whatever it is. It is not a one-time thing. And just like you said, it's not 30 days and you're good, no. right? It, this is every day, all day, who you are. And right. stress management makes, a, I mean, I've been told I'm detached, right? Like I just sit back and it like let things happen and I kind of chime in when I need to. And that might be maybe too much stress management, hmm. right? Like maybe I'm over meditated or something, but when it comes to- Is that possible? <laughs> I don't know, I, I, possibly, maybe. But I, I've kind of realized that when people think of stress management, they, they think it's work. Like they, they're like, 
well, I don't have time to put 15 minutes right. in or 20 minutes in twice right. a day to do that. And I'm like, well, if you gave me your schedule from when you wake up until you go to bed and you let me find that 20 minutes, is that allowed? Like, can, will you follow that? And no one takes me up on it ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause they don't want, they know, people know it, but it's not work if they see the benefits and um, you know, but, but you have to make that call. Lifestyle is a different thing. That's a different kind of medicine and yes. people have to be willing to do it. And it's very hard to make lifestyle changes, but once you start feeling better and you see results in whatever path you're on, then you can say to yourself, ah, okay, that worked. I'm going to keep going. What's, what's the next step? And it's just a very slow process. It's your, your body has been doing its thing for as long as you've been alive a certain way. And now you're asking it to do it a different way. So it needs to now dismantle what's been going on and then rebuild. And Rome wasn't built in a day. So you have to right. think about your body that way. It needs time, it needs love, it needs patience, it needs daily care, daily self-care. Um, but what a, what a great discussion today on men's sexual health. And I'd also like to add that those different regenerative modalities, it's not just one in the, in the group. You can actually put a, two or three of them together in time based on what you need for yourself. It's that you, you don't have to just pick one and go with that one. Some are used together to give you optimal results. And that's what we're looking for. Optimization of men's sexual health. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Dr. Lombardo. It's been such a pleasure. And I am going to put in the post your contact information. My contact information is already there. And that way, if any of you men or women who are dating someone, know someone, married, maybe it's your brother, whoever, whoever it is in your life that might need some help, because this is a very serious topic and something that affects our daily life um, as individuals and as a couple. Uh, so I'm gonna put all of that in there and thank you again. And if you have any questions, feel free to throw them in the comment section and I will try to answer them. And if I can't, I will get them to Dr. Lombardo. So I hope you all enjoyed this information and we did not get to the supplements I did wanna say, but we ran out of time. We could do a whole nother interview on just supplements. So awesome. we, I would love we'll it. Look, Thanks so yeah. much, Joe. I, I appreciate this. This was a ton of fun. Yes, thanks. All right, everyone have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.